parameters. Player code established. Welcome to the program. A production of TheMetalRobot.com Nobody cares about the robot gimmick! Just start the fucking show already! Ugh. Humans are determined assholes. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Initializing host playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between. We're in November, and we know that because Mariah Carey is currently blaring over your local Hot Topic loudspeakers. Come on, guys, at least play Twisted Sisters' Christmas album. It's more on brand. On tonight's show, Blood of Indigo returns to talk Dawn of the Shaded World. Plus, we sit down over a couple beers with New York's very own black metal, but not quite black metal band, Viserion, to talk their single, Reborn in Darkness. In the Metal News Recap, is your band not getting a whole lot of streams on Spotify? There's a chance it's not entirely your fault. But coming up in a few short moments, Devin Townsend is back, but not as crazy. Huh. We'll see what happens when the mad scientist of Prague comes back to Earth with light work. All this and more, so let's not waste much more time and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay, and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. All right, this is the Metal Robot Podcast. Let's begin the show with this week's new releases. A pretty good looking week we've had, and I'm hoping the music fares just as well, though that might mostly depend on my mood going into this. I wonder what that mood is. Let's spin the wheel of fuck everything to see how I'm feeling about this. All right, and it's not a total loss. Okay, well, hopefully we don't spoil that. Albums, please don't spoil that. All right, let's start with one album that I think many of us have actually been waiting on, especially if you're a fan of this show. Devin Townsend's Lightwork. I think many of us were waiting to see how the mad scientist of Prague was going to follow up the last album of Epitaph. But I'm not sure anybody was expecting this. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The Mad Scientist has come back to Earth this time around with, in a way that feels a, a way more accessible type of record. Which if you know anything about Devin Townsend's work, your jaw has already dropped through the floor and is hurtling down into Death Clock's lair. Seriously, if the cute octopus mauling the lighthouse in the album cover did not throw you off, the music sure as shit will. Yet, it still works. You don't need to throw everything but the kitchen sink at the wall to create something that's proggy, yet not as mentally challenging. Songs like Moon People, Equinox, and Heavy Burden are softer affairs and more straightforward. Lightworker brings in some bravado, but doesn't get too insane about the entire thing. And in the total 56 minutes of this album, it is not as experimental as previous releases above all else. And that's okay. There's nothing entirely wrong about that because A, it's still a great sounding prog metal album and still has that prog metal feel. It even feels dense in places much like you would expect from previous work of Devin Townsend. The only thing that is missing is the experimentation. As a result, it can really be hard to tell if this is an upgrade or a downgrade in terms of Devin Townsend's work. I guess it really depends. Is it better than Epitaph? Well. Who are you asking that question to? Are you asking the fans who prefer the experimental, crazy fucking bananas version of Devi, or something a bit more pulled back, more accessible, and easy to digest kind of Devin Townsend fan? It really does depend on that. But if you're looking for experimental Devi, then this might not be the biggest one for you. You will hear bits and pieces trying to get out throughout this album, but apart from that, you will not find Experimental Debbie here. This is more straightforward, kind of not really radio rock friendly, but definitely a lot more accessible this time around. It's a great album for those who wanted to get into Devin Townsend, but took one listen to Genesis off the last album and just thought the dude was a psychopath. If you think you might have been put off by Debbie in the past, don't sleep on this one. Seriously, this is your chance to get into Devin Townsend with Lightwork. A 14 out of 15 for me. I could not think of a better album for potential Devin Townsend fans to get started and start to slowly make their way through to the more experimental stuff later on down the road. 
Hey, let's keep the softy train going with some sad boy metalcore in the form of Brisbane's Citadel and their debut album Decompose. Okay, there actually are some heavy moments on this album. I mostly kid, but this is most definitely not for the corpse paint wearing listeners who are questioning my music taste at this very moment. Guys, look, I do enjoy metalcore, okay? Like, shut up. If you don't like it, then you don't need to worry about that. Just keep listening. I got something for you coming up in a second. This album, hands down, definitely has a lot of those soft, sad boy vibes. Most of what you would expect from metalcore of this type. This is kind of like While She Sleeps meets The Amity Affliction meets the campfire song from Spongebob. Much like most metalcore, you know, vocals and melodies are very radio pop slash radio rock. In keeping with that theme, it almost feels like a lot of these songs were written by solo singer songwriters with an acoustic guitar around the campfire. And then after all that, the chat in your band that's sitting across is like, yeah, but what if it could gent? That is our direction. Let's make this campfire song gent. And you know what? It kind of works. It does kind of work for this style. All throughout the album, you're getting a lot of those singer-songwriter kind of vibes turned into a metalcore song, but it does have a lot of poppiness to it that I know a lot of metalheads would probably want to distance themselves from, but that's okay because at the end of the day, it does actually work. With the jet influences here and there and the low thundering guitars in those moments, on top of that, it does have quite a few moments of catchy choruses to really hook you in, in sort of like an anthem style type of composition. Look, love or hate metalcore, these guys are definitely an act to watch out for. It's not going to be for those who have sworn off of metalcore, but with a 13 and a half out of 15, metalcore listeners and even metalcore apologists have another solid one to add to the ethos. Folks, this is your uh, metal captain speaking. Uh, we have uh, found ourselves some turbulence uh, and uh, a stark left turn from before. Uh, please fasten your fucking seatbelts. Okay, so the, I don't know why I do that. Yeah, this is definitely a sharp left turn. So this is the new album from Polish black metal band. What the fuck is that name? Yefel Yefel seventeen ten. Sure, I don't know. It's spelled Y-F-E-L, and trying to figure that pronunciation out may have caused Google Translate to have a meltdown, so let's just go with EFL1710. Their new album called, oh, fuck that. You know what? I'll have the robot's less attractive cousin read that one out. Yeah, that. If you understand Polish, you got that one nailed down. So this is, as you can hear, a stark contrast to what we were checking out earlier. We've gone full black metal here, and there's no apologies available for your unbreakable prepared ass. Interesting thing about this album though, the album title translates roughly to Moths Are Coming, which is apparently the theme of the album. Moths coming together during the October and November months and collectively becoming more bloodthirsty than Dracula during a woman's time of the month. It is, as a result, a pure black metal catastrophe. I don't know if that's the right word to use here. It's a great album. It is a black metal album to the purest form. The only thing that's missing from it is that it's not from Norway. That's about it. Other than that, oh my god, you're going to have a lot of fun if you are a pure black metal fan. It is unrelenting chaos through and through. And I'd like to tell you, you know, what songs have this kind of vibe, that kind of vibe, but A, I can't pronounce any of the fucking titles, and B, it's all black metal. I don't know what else to tell you here. Every song kind of sounds the same, but also does have, in some parts, distinct riffs to help distinguish itself from the rest of the album. Look, while this album is going to perk a lot of ears in the black metal community, I doubt it's going to bring in any newcomers. It's what you're expecting from a black metal record, no more, no less. And that's totally fine, it sounds great. But a 12 out of 15 from me on this one. If you're a black metal fan, it's more of what you want, but I think I'd like a bit of a palate cleanser for this next one. Yeah, this'll do just fine. Oxytoxins, Don't Lose Your Head, an alternative hard rock band that is influenced by, oh fuck, okay, get a load of this shit. Tool, Deftones, Rush, and Black Sabbath in one. You already had me worried by invoking the name of Tool as your influence, but now you just keep 
piling it on. I must admit, it's pretty ballsy. <laughs> okay, here's a tip for you. Whenever critics like me see name drops like that in your press release and promos, you better be able to back up those claims. Influence is one thing, but I'm now going into this expecting to hear those influences, and you have essentially raised the bars too fucking high here. This is why you need to be careful when you name drop things. You may pique the immediate interest in those press releases, but if you cannot deliver in the actual product on that cell, you'll be in trouble. That being said, Oxytoxin does actually deliver on their promises here. From the self-titled uh, song Onward to Blister, the Tool influence is very prominent in the vocal performance specifically. You do get a bit of Black Sabbath as well in those guitar tones, maybe, possibly even deaf tones there? I don't know, but I do know this much, there's a lot of Neil Peart in those fucking drums. The cymbal work on this entire album is beautifully executed, and it's very, very interesting to listen to. This album as a whole is very much a combination of many of those influences. While not obviously everything up to 100%, it definitely does have a great sound to it that I think is great to pick up on. This album has a kind of bit of a stoner feel as a result of some of the Tool influence, and of course, you know, Black Sabbath influence as well. And of course, eclectic compositions and riff changes throughout all these songs, they keep the momentum going and keep the album moving forward without kind of feeling stagnant. That being said, there's not a whole lot to latch onto with this album, but I think that is kind of the point. This isn't an album where you necessarily have to be singing along to it, much like the courses of Citadel's album. This is more of something you vibe out to and zone out to. It does, as a result, blend together over time as it goes on. Some of the songs, they kind of start to mesh together into a big blob of an album. If you want an album that has the right elements of stoner, new, and old-school heavy metal with a bit going on in the prog drumming, Oxytoxin has you covered here. It might be hard to get into at first, and some of the songs do tend to blend together a bit after a while, but with a 13 out of 15, you just might have something that you can use when your Pink Floyd or Tool CDs go missing or when you somehow peed on them a second time. Dude, the toilet does not look anything like a CD. I don't care how high you are, it, there's nothing similar about it. Jeez, dude, get your life together. All right, you know, not too bad this time out. A few good albums to take a look at, and for sure an abundance of styles to choose from, despite anything I might say about any of these albums. Obviously, every album is different, but if any of them piqued your interest, pick them up for yourself. I definitely 100% recommend the Devin Townsend one, though, out of this roster. Seriously, don't sleep on it just because Devi isn't going fucking psycho this time out. Seriously, check it out. Coming up, Blood of Indigo returns for part two. We'll take a look at our weekly metal news recap as well, but first, let's head down to the Big Apple to check in with New York City's own black metal but not black metal band, Viserion. That's gonna be a hell of a tongue twister. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Know what albums I should take a rusty pickaxe to? I mean, take a look at next. Request them anytime online, and you can hear your favorites hacked to pieces. I mean, discussed. Why do I keep doing that? Discussed right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. 15 plus artists, multiple cultures, multiple languages, one almost unpronounceable name. Homoyoisios. Homoy mother. What the fuck does it say? It's pronounced homoyoisios. How? There's 20 O's. It's Latin. What'd you expect? The ultimate collaboration project of 2022. Homoyoisios. A symphonic, death, blackened, thrashing, grooving core fest. What genres? The X-Man of New Orleans is back. No, no, wait, I meant in metal with a new song from Dust Prophet. Could you not have led with that? Sure, but then you wouldn't have done the contractually obligated scream that I can now use for exciting purposes. Watch, Dust Prophet have a new song. <laughs> Here's another one. The tent broke off, so they're giving away free beer to everyone. Yes. <laughs> I hate you. When the Axe Falls, new fuzzed out jam from the New Hampshire fuzz rockers Dust Prophet. Available on Bandcamp, Link down in the podcast description. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. 
Alright, welcome back to the show. Let's keep the show rolling with our first guest, Viserion. They're a recently formed black metal band out of Queens in New York City. If somebody starts playing Frank Sinatra in the background, I'm going to throw a fit. Do not do that. It's an overplayed joke, okay? Uh, so, they're going to start playing Alicia Keys, aren't they? The robot is such a pain in the ass. Anyways, uh, instead of writing songs about, about their home city, the band is diving headfirst into that gnarly black metal sound. The debut album, Natural Selection, dropped last year, and now they're back with the new Destiny-inspired single, Reborn in Darkness. To talk more about the song, the band, and much more, I'm sitting down with Viserion, who have agreed to talk with me in what will probably a drunken fun time for me and possibly a sober regret for them. We'll have to see how it goes. Guys, welcome to the show. How you guys doing? Oh, you're drinking too. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah all right. Fantastic. Yeah, I've got myself that. Uh, I'm drinking some uh, Trooper beer, uh, some Iron Maiden beer, because I got to keep up the stereotype. What are you guys drinking over there? Uh, shitty 40s from the bodega. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. That's yeah. that's how you know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, as we like, as we usually do on this show, uh, whenever I bring on a new band to talk about to talk to, uh, the first thing I ask them is to describe who they are. So, tell me more about Viserion. You know, where you're from, when you started, and how far uh, how far you feel that you've come. So, um, we started. Back at the end of 2019, mm -hmm. um, me and Matt were, uh, it was originally a three-piece. We were in uh, it with a, our old member, John. Um, didn't really work out uh, with him after last year, but uh, me and Matt continued it going. We have, uh, we got Chris over here, who is also in our other band, Maniacin, which is like death metal. And then uh, we recruited Tasso, who we just, you know, he knew from other bands and, uh, in the area, he's a he's a good dude. So, you know, we're excited to uh, introduce the new lineup. Yeah, and and Ben originally was the bassist, and then he switched over to guitar. Yeah. Okay, so you're not doing uh, like you're just doing guitars, and I'm guessing you're doing vocals as well, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, uh, what like on that note, you know, I know sometimes when uh, musicians switch up mus uh, instruments in within the same band, there's usually certain challenges that they weren't expecting before, or maybe they're uh, already familiar with that instrument. What was the transition like from bass to guitar? Um, so I had written um, a decent amount of uh, natural selection on guitar. Uh, it's just live, you know, we, we were the three piece, so we, I'd prefer to have the bass sound over playing guitar live. Um, it's been a little bit of a challenge live because, uh, you know, it's a different uh, different ball game playing chords and stuff. But, uh, you know, I got Chris over here playing leads for me now. So <laughs> he's I shaking can, his I, head. I, I can slack off, you know, and then he gets to take over for me. <laughs> like, All you right. say that about a drummer. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, you want to play guitar? It's like, hey, I got no job as a drummer. So, yeah, why not? You know, <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. Um, but I, I'm just curious because you guys are from Queens, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So just out of curiosity, I wanted to just kind of ask this one. What's something about Queens that people outside of Queens always get wrong? That the Mets are good. So you got to remind them all the time, like, you know, so yeah. Just, yeah. no, they're not. So. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> always got to remind them. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's this weird thing that I that a lot of my friends have said to me. They're like, oh, Queens is the worst borough to drive in. And it's not like Brooklyn. But I mean, part of that is there's a lot of construction. But one, a lot of parts of Queens, the streets are, are just numbers. It's 35th, 36th, 37th. Meanwhile, in Brooklyn, you have like 20 different names. So I don't know how they get the <laughs> sense that Queens is more confusing. It's a grid. Like it's it's like Manhattan. And then. So, yeah, exactly. I don't get that. I don't get that argument at all. No. I, yeah, I, I've not been to Queens proper, but uh, I was actually, I did visit New York uh, back in 2015. Uh, just a typical like tourist thing. I was probably the, the, some dumbass kid blocking the street somewhere in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> typical thing, you know, uh, but I, but I've never been to Queens proper, so I can't really speak on that. But if I, I'm going to take your word for that. And if anybody challenges that in the comments, hey, take it up with the guys. Yeah, so. Yeah. So your sound has been described in many ways, uh, but uh, the one connecting thread has to be that raw, gnarly black metal sound. 
Uh, though on stage, you guys don't, as far as I know, don't do like the corpse paint and the pig's head routine, which zero out of 10, not totally unwatchable. But yeah. what was the inspiration for wanting to make that kind of black metal sound? So I'm just terrible at guitar. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only route. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up, I, you know, I loved Mayhem and Dark Throne, those bands. And then, you know, I've been following black metal since then. So I like even the newer wave stuff like, you know, the post-black metal Harry Carey for the Sky band, uh, bands like Spectral Wound, Holder, you know, all these bands have influences on me. Um, the corpse paint is more, it's like, a, it's a lot of work, um, <laughs> you know, and maybe for shows here and there, we might bring it out in the future. But for now, it's just, you know, listen, running around in New York yeah. before a show in corpse paint. You got to bring some, some weird elements and not the weird black metal elements. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. I also, I sweat so much on stage that within one song, it's just going to, it's going to like Alex it's, Cooper. It's going to run down. <laughs> it's going to be bad. <laughs> the better of all of us. I look terrible. Really like, what's going on with him? I don't know. Of course, paint for me becomes white face. I, 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 I don't, <laughs> don't want it to like get canceled before we get anywhere. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Even funnier if you start walking around, uh, like say Times Square, people think that you're a performer. Start walking up to you. Like, oh, just yeah. Like, yeah, like honestly, New Yorkers yeah. are so dumb with black metal. They probably think we're all mimes and shit. You know? Yeah. I you don't want to do that. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious on that note, like, uh, cause black metal, the culture and the music is so like, uh, it's m way more broad than most people realize. How much of that black metal sound and culture do you guys usually take on in your songs and performance? And what aspects do you swear against, including in your sound? Uh, so I think we, we like having our sound more, uh, produced, I guess. Uh, that's like a, that's a thing that, you know, we kind of stick with nothing against, you know, other other styles of, of production and recording it's more for us we uh we have the tools to do it digitally and to make it sound a certain way and you know we want all of the instruments to, to shine you know i want you to be able to hear the bass lines and and what the drummer is doing um so that's that's a thing that um is a pretty uh standard pretty big standard for like the uh the set you know the older school of uh black metal but uh for us i think it's more uh I, I, yeah. I, and I think actually also like we don't shy away from any other forms of black metal. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like we don't have that elitist mentality when it comes to like mm -hmm. music, like uh, especially like in the black metal scene. Um, I think they stick to that same old mindset, I guess. It's like we just don't have uh, black metal elements. We have a lot of more elements of the extreme side of metal, but we try mm -hmm. to stick it very, very like traditional. But I guess with this lineup, like the more melodic stuff is coming out in the songwriting for the new album, mm -hmm. too, honestly. So we're, we're we're touching pretty much every base when it comes to to any any subgenre of black metal, you know, so atmospheric to straight up uh, true Norwegian black metal or or just typical like demu stuff sometimes like like we're coming up with some good stuff so since i've joined the band it's pretty much just like no boundaries when it comes to our sound it's really just like what we feel sounds right it's it, we're, we're gonna play it like at the end of the day we're all fans of the genre uh, and just metal in general so it's honestly but i think for us it's more of like the, the song or composition is going to be where it's at and like we're not trying to impress anybody we're not trying to be out there and, and and say like, oh, we're going to revolutionize black metal. Like, no, we're playing things that we want to listen to, basically. Mm -hmm. That's good to hear. Now, uh, on, on the note of the New York music scene, like I said, I was there around 2015. And, you know, uh, I while I didn't get a chance to experience the New York music scene amongst blocking traffic in multiple different parts of uh, <laughs> and somehow blocking traffic in Central Park. Don't know how that happened. Anyways, <laughs> one thing I noticed about New York uh, was that it has such a, a strong, thriving music scene from uh, places like, say, Rockwood Music Hall on Allen Street to the Cutting Room on the, on 32nd Street to even the Bitter End on Bleecker Street, which I totally didn't have these places on Google search. I've totally been there. <laughs> well, but one, but above all, like lots of punk bars and jazz clubs. But uh, as far as I know, like nothing that'll straight advertise as metal clubs and bars, even though some of them will probably accept it. What was there ever a challenge in finding a venue to play at as a black metal band? 
So a lot of uh like the the metal type of scene is is in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have like St. Vitus, you have uh Lucky Thirteen, Lucky Thirteens, you have Kingsland, you have uh Brooklyn Monarch, the Meadows. All these, a lot of them are relatively new, so uh, they haven't been here since uh you know when when you were here in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's actually been good, encouraging to see a lot of these places opening up and and having these extreme shows um, and giving uh, a bands like us a place to play. Yeah, I definitely feel like the scene has grown because me and Ben, our other band, we've we've been in the scene for like ten years with that band, and the amount of venues has really grown a lot in the past. I'd say five years or so. Mm-hmm. So, which is great. You know, it's good that it's getting more of a the scene's getting bigger and it's getting more i wouldn't say popular but it's getting like people are more aware of it so which is uh, for us great because we have more people that we they'll have to listen to us (laughs) i I just have a different theory i think like uh the emo kids all grew up and uh, (laughs) the heavier stuff and like uh are populating all these scenes around new york city but no, uh, honestly, the scene has really exploded out here in New York City, because uh, like you said, all those bars that you mentioned, especially the bitter end. I played the bitter end before with a with a metal cover band, but we we're playing with like uh, a funk band and stuff like that. So you really had to like pick and choose and try to maneuver where you could play type of stuff, or you were lucky enough to meet a promoter that had like metal nights once a month at some club, like Arlene's Groceries, for example, down in the city. Um, so right now, like since 2015, honestly, I think that's when I started really ripping, like like a lot of people started really focusing on the New York metal scene because we have a lot of great bands in New York City, honestly. A lot mm-hmm. of bands that like are are mid-tier bands that people are like, oh, they're from New York? Don't even realize it. It's like, yeah, we do have a scene here. So it's kind of, ha- I'm happy and excited that the U- New York metal scene is kind of getting some sort of love because New York has always been a good metal town, but it's always been overlooked because like the other genres that are, like, are very popular and prominent in New York mm-hmm. have always taken the forefront. Yeah, the rap scene is huge. Here. Yeah, has been here oh, for yeah. a while. Yeah, <laughs> like big time. Yeah. Uh, so, like, how many uh, shows have you played in New York City proper? Uh, with Viserion, four, four, four. four yeah, four. Yeah. Okay, so of those four, uh, which what venues of those four have have you played? Where would you say is the best overall? Like, what of those venues have you played that you would say is the best? You guys definitely Vitus, Vitus. <laughs> yeah. So Saint Vitus is yeah. That just that the uh, the amount of bands that have played on that same stage. Yeah. You know, it's just it's an honor to you know, yeah alone be able to play it. It was so, surreal I, being up there. It I haven't was. played Vitus yet. These guys have. I saw them there while they played. It was amazing sound. It's a venue dedicated. I was like, I was just looking at the stage saying, my boys are playing on the same stage Dave Mustaine played on. And I was like, holy shit. So it's kind of cool. It's just like, oh my God. It's like, so Vitus is that, is that, that venue. It's like, if you can play Vitus, you're, you're golden, man. You're, you're going to, you're going places. All right. And uh, dare I ask what venues you've played that you would say is the worst? Uh, oh. name, name. No. Well, we played not in Viserion. You know, one of our old bands, we played an art gallery. Yeah. An art gallery. Fucking terrible. We were just on the floor. We were literally just no stage in the middle. Like, we weren't putting against the wall or anything. We were just in the middle of the art gallery <laughs> with people like surrounding us. I thought I was going to get dumped. <laughs> 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 there, there was no rug, so I'm playing drum for drum to just like. So I think we thing. got convinced to be in yeah. uh, this guy's art exhibit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, that was weird. Yeah, no kidding, huh? Uh, all right, so we're, we're seeing a bit of a connection issue here. Not something that's drastic, but we are noticing it's like kind of glitching out a little bit. All right, uh, check, check, one, two, three. You can still hear me, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. You can hear us. I can hear you. All right. It seems to be coming back. That's good. All right. So 
Since it's coming back now, let's talk the new song, Reborn in Darkness. By the time the listener is hearing uh, this, the single is already out uh, now on all platforms, including Bandcamp. Now, you wrote the song, according to the presser, about Oryx, one of the characters from the video game Destiny. What made you want Mm -hmm. to write about the character in the first place? So, um, we had, you know, I had the instrumentation down with the guys and, um, you know, I had that, uh, that aggressiveness and, and, and violence to it. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been a big gamer, uh, me and Matt especially have been big gamers for our whole lives. And, um, as I was playing, uh, I was actually playing destiny and I was like, you know, like this character Oryx is, uh, He's constantly becoming, you know, transforming and, mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And I was like, that's kind of like us. You know, we, we had just had the lineup change. And I was like, as he transformed, he got more powerful. And I was like, you know, I think with, with the lineup we have now, we're, 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 you know, we're taking that next step. And, uh, you know, so I just started writing the, the lyrics based on, on Oryx. And, uh, you know, I thought it came out pretty good. So. <laughs> Yeah, he was pretty much like, hey, should I, uh, would it be okay if we wrote these lyrics about orcs? And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Of course, like, why would you not do that? Like, yeah. hey, man, yeah. Mark could write about goddamn... Uh, yeah, they write about Lord, Lord of the Rings, Rings a lot. Of black we could write about, things. like, Destiny, so, yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the only as the only real explanation there. Um, but would you call you got would you call yourselves gamers like hardcore gamers or are you more casual with uh, the gaming scene? I'm as hard. Uh, it's tough to find time. Yeah, I will just not sleep sometimes to game. So I'm, yeah. I guess I'm pretty hardcore. I guess. Yeah, my I, girlfriend. My girlfriend lives with me, so that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, I, we're not like a Twitch stars or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. We play, we play. I just we, twitch. We probably should practice more than we play video games. <laughs> I felt that in my soul right there. Oh my God. Yeah, like, why am I all night doing this? We may be, a, we may have been a tech death band if we spent half yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could, we could have been bored of Osiris, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Part one of my talk with Vesarian. It's really great to get to know what the New York metal scene is like as someone who doesn't actively live there at all. I've been there like once, as I mentioned, but that's about it. But I do know as well, the New York music scene is insane. But at the same time, with all the variety and everything in between, it's great to hear that there's still room for even the most gnarly of metal to play. We'll catch up with them again in the next episode for part two. In the meantime, Reborn in Darkness is out now. Go check it out wherever you listen to music, including on Spotify. Maybe. I guess. We'll find out why I'm hesitant coming up. Don't go away. Our weekly metal news recap is approaching, plus a continuation of our talk with Blood of Indigo. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. This week's metal news recap has been slapped together by battle jacket wearing monkeys high off ecstasy injected bananas. Someone may have also given them tequila. I don't know. Join the chaos. Post your takes of the week's biggest stories with the hashtag MRP News. Now, back into the podcast. Presented by TheMetalRobot.com. This is MRP News. From the Metal Robot News Center, there are some stories here you either don't care about too much or you definitely should care about. Especially if you're releasing music or if you're in bands. You'd be surprised, there is a difference between the two. Which brings me to our first story of the night. If you're in a band, you're probably wondering why you're not getting as many streams as you possibly could be on Spotify. After all that hard work, it's like you're playing to an empty room. And by empty room, I mean a room with two dudes plastered out of their fucking minds and employees of the venue who are paid to be there. Well, Spotify's exceptional upload rate turns out might have something to do with that. Last month, Spotify hit the landmark goal of having an average of 100 
thousand songs uploaded to the platform on a daily basis. That is a lot of music to keep track of and a lot of music that is getting uploaded at the same time as you, which means that you are possibly one of the 100,000 songs that's coming out every single day. And it makes it increasingly difficult as a result for smaller artists to break through and find a fan base that is just waiting for them on the platform. And it's not just me saying this either. This isn't a Tom McKay rant on the Metal Robot podcast. This has been talked about by Music Insiders. MusicBusinessWorldwide.com said the same thing after this news came out. So yeah, it turns out it might not just be because your music sucks more than porn star themed Roombas. Good for you. Though note the not just because part of that sentence. Don't even think about writing bad music. It might even be worse for Spotify though in the long run. Sir Lacian Grange, chairman and CEO of Universal Music Group, the company YouTubers love so much, told analysts that the increasing number of tracks uploaded daily can cause a confusing experience for consumers and for really everyone. As music listeners like us just start doom scrolling for new stuff to listen to or are just hitting play on whatever playlist we find, we're increasingly guided to low-quality music by an algorithm, which Grange believes is not sustainable for platforms or for music fans. And Spotify's problems come in as well for financial costs of hosting over 100 million tracks on their platform, with 100,000 new songs coming in every single day. Seriously guys, servers are not cheap. You can keep buying more servers, Spotify, and be able to house all of these songs on the cloud, but over time, space is going to run out, and so is your wallets. In terms of the servers alone, for what's called cloud computing, it's estimated that the Spotify spent almost $130 million in 2022 alone on this particular part. So with all that in mind, will Spotify fail? I have no idea. We'll have to wait and see on that one and see how that goes. Zach Wilde is not Dimebag Daryl, a statement we were shocked to learn based on their obvious likeness. Like you can see Dimebag in his eyes, guys, you can see it. But Zach needed to clarify that distinction when speaking with Guitar World, as he's set to be part of the Pantera reunion, tribute, whatever thing, that brings back original surviving members Phil Anselmo and Rex Brown, and as the addition of Charlie Bennett and of course Zach Wilde. But Zach was very adamant about ensuring that we know he is not Dimebag Daryl, and he will never be Dimebag Daryl, mostly because of his playing style. Quote, No matter what I do, it's going to sound like me. I can practice all I want and stay as faithful as I want, but I am never going to escape that. Going on to say, It's like if Randy Rhodes played Eruption. It would sound like Randy, not Eddie Van Halen. He goes on to say that he's just going to accept that and learn the parts. He's going to be as faithful to what Dine did as possible, but just be himself. Quote, I'm going to have fun with it, knowing that I am not expecting myself to sound like Dime, and no one else should either, which is how it is when I play with Ozzy or whatever else. Which makes sense, I'm not entirely sure why he would have had to clarify that, though knowing the metal community, and especially Pantera fans, how many of us were really expecting him to get it exactly as it is in the recordings? Let's be honest, that's not going to happen, guys. I don't know what else you were expecting. Zach Wilde is a talented guitarist. He's a fantastic guitarist, one of the one of the guitar gods within the sphere. But yeah, he's not Dimebag Daryl, and he's never going to be Dimebag Daryl. So I don't know what anybody who is excited for this reunion tribute, whatever thing, is, was expecting. But either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. The first tribute shows are slated for next month in South America, but they've also announced this past week that they're going to Europe as well in June, one at next year's Rock Am Ring and Rock Im Park, both in Germany. It should be a lot of fun for those. Hopefully, they'll come to Canada at some point. I would love to see them live. Get the fucking body bags ready! Morbid Angel is on tour, and they're bringing friends. Okay, that's a hell of an intro, but let me explain. So... <laughs> I probably scared the shit out of a lot of people, but from March 15th to April 22nd in 2023, Morbid Angel is going on a US tour slated as the United States Tour of Terror, celebrating 40 years of extreme music. And it's going to be a hell of a lineup. If you're into extreme music, holy shit, this is going to be a fun one. Revocation and Crypta are going to be there for the entirety of the tour, but of course, that's not going to be the only bit of the lineup that you'll see during that time. We'll have Skeletal Remains 
Bones and Vitriol here and there as well, popping in every so often for a couple of the tour dates. If you want to know exact tour dates uh, of when those guys are showing up, I will link the original post as well as the tour dates down in the podcast description. So if you're in the US, have fun and good luck. It's going to be sick. I wish they would come up to Canada, though. Come on, guys. Come on. Come to Canada. I would love to see this fucking chaos in action. Holy shit. I think it's safe to say we all love System of a Down's Toxicity, or at least we all generally regard that album as the band's opus. Lead singer Serge Tankian, on the other hand, not as much. And there is a specific reason for that, and it has to do with the time it came out. Speaking with Metal Injection, uh, the lead singer talked about that time and reflected on how much of a fucking shit show that entire time period was. Keep in mind, when Toxicity came out, it was the week of September 11th, 2001. Already not the best time for an album from a politically charged band to come out. Also, again, because they are a politically outspoken band during the War on Terror, it became a real problem for them. Not to mention, of course, the Toxicity release had a started an LA riot. There's a lot to that as well. As Serge Tankian explained, quote, the release of Toxicity itself was a riot in LA. We unintentionally ended up having a riot in Hollywood because of our release event that basically we had too many people and the fire marshal closed it down and people reacted and fights ensued. We lost our equipment, our crew was punched and then LA riots occurred and we had to explain what was going on to the media, and it was a fucking mess. Yep, that sounds like the case, and I'm not gonna lie, any band who has to deal with that must have been really fucking... Oh my god, I could not imagine it. My, my brain hurts thinking about it. Jesus Christ. So all that does answer the question of what it was like for System of a Down with their arguably best album and how they felt about it at the time. Quote, It was fucking stressful as fuck. That's what I remember. I didn't feel like a musician. I didn't feel like I was doing music. It was fucking stressful as fuck. It was really, really dicey. That's what I remember. That's the emotion that prevails. And yeah, fair enough. Though, even with all of that, yes, it's a bad, bad experience. After all that time, the albums to this day have still stood the test of time and have paved the way for so many other bands that are beating the fucking street as we speak today. And as well for who the band ended up evolving to over time. Which, now that I think about it, it's still kind of a shame that we won't get any new sewed album anytime soon. But best not to push that one. And that's it for our Metal News Recap. Lots to unpack, of course, especially with the Spotify news. It's also kind of interesting hearing about the toxicity era of System of a Down from the band's perspective. Some serious shit went down all those years ago, and it's mind-boggling to think that that was over 20 years ago. But at the end of the day, we still got some pretty damn good music from that era, and hopefully many more to come. Don't go anywhere, we've got one more band on the lineup for you tonight. Blood of Indigo has returned, and they'll be joining us in just a moment right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. Ever wanted to take Metal Robot interviews on the go, but had this happen? Dead? I charged this last night, for fuck's sake! <laughs> Well, we can't solve a bad phone battery. You can take the interviews you love with you wherever on MRP Throwbacks. Be sure to hit save for when you want this on your evening drive to the venue. I'm just a troll. Like, I just I just don't give a, a crap. Can I say that? <laughs> uh, honestly, I've been saying fuck this entire time, so by all means. <laughs> MRP Throwbacks. Only on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Let's open the gates. For Astaroth has risen. And the demon has gone core. Wait, the story is the demon has gone core? I don't get it. Just wait for the drop. What the fuck? From the ashes of ascendance, Astaroth is born again. Enter the world of Sam Astaroth with his new song, Demon Core. Available on all streaming. Music video available on YouTube. Links in the podcast description. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. We're back, and we've got one more band in our lineup tonight before we head back to our lives of no booze, no partying, and just work until our metal itch needs to be scratched again. 
Do we have problems? No, I don't think so. Last week I sat down with Blood of Indigo, an epic symphonic metal band out of Ontario, Canada, and I proclaim to you that the album they just put out this year, Dawn of the Shaded World, is the most epic symphonic metal album of 2022. Symphonic death metal album of 2022, to be exact. Well, I still stand by that. It's an album with power and epicness that you can't get anywhere else from this year's releases, and it does so without sacrificing the mix too much. That's, I think, one of the biggest downfalls of the genre, but these guys pulled it off, and they managed to get through that particular symphonic metal problem. But for these guys as well, this album has quite a bit of significance, including the feature of Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and friend of the show, Lindsay Schoolcraft. Why is that specifically? Well, let's find out. This is part two with Blood of Indigo right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. On the album, on top of, you know, all the various songs and all the various different uh, themes and styles that you go through, one thing on the album, the album also features uh, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter Lindsay Schoolcraft. Now, with the connection to the project's history, uh, from what I can tell from the bio, Tell me how significant it was having her performing on that final song. Oh, it was really significant. And honestly, I have to say, like, it is a dream come true because um, Lindsay is the one who inspired me to become a vocalist. And I, I know I, I say this a lot. And I've said it a lot in a lot of interviews. But, um, uh, you know, when I was when I first met Lindsay, I, I met her at the Hard Luck Bar in Toronto. And this was when I was hosting a radio show called The Rush. And it was on a radio station called Vibe 105. And it's located at York University. And I was, host, I was hosting a metal show. And when I asked her to come on to my show, I had told her, you know something, I always wanted to, you know, experiment with music. I always wanted to be a metal vocalist. I feel like I had that drive in me to do it. I feel like I listen to metal and I feel like I hear myself as the vocalist. And, you know, I went to go see a Slipknot show at the ACC in 2016 as well. And after seeing that show, I was so mind blown. And I was like, in this lifetime, I need to be on that stage and feel what it's like to have an audience just absolutely be in sync with you and feel that energy from the crowd and hype up that audience, like just to the degree that Corey Taylor does during his shows. And even when I was hosting my radio show, I had that same energy of a front man. I felt like I was like trying to get an audience into what I was doing. And I felt like it wasn't quite the same because you don't have like that. You, you don't really get to create music that you're not really creating music. You're kind of just sharing music, which is an awesome thing to do. But as a creative person, like I've always kind of had that in me since I was a kid, I was writing stories about like demonic monsters that my grade two teachers would send home and say, please tell your son <laughs> to read the Bible. And then, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. And, and I always loved playing with my voice. Like I love, and, and voice acting was a big part of like what I got into, like in my late teens and to in, into my twenties and even, even just like doing character voices from like my friends and family, making them laugh and all of that. And then that was why learning growling came so easy to me because I felt like I was already doing a lot of those voices already as a kid. <laughs> so yeah. um, when Lindsay, uh, she, when, 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 uh, when she, when she agreed to do the album, I was so happy because uh, Lindsay is a friend of mine and she is the person who inspired me to become a vocalist and said, yes, go for it, go for it, go for your dreams. And um, you know, it was really a full circle moment when she agreed to do the vocals. And I wrote the lyrics of the day that my dog passed away. Mm. And this was a song about letting go of somebody you love and moving on. That's why it's Dawn of the Shaded World, because this is moving into your shadow. And it's kind of like, and, and what death does for us is that it allows us to put life into perspective again. And it allows you to really reevaluate life and sort of decide who you want to be after this loss happened, after this big, great disconnection happened. Um, and you know, Lindsay was somebody who I felt like would really be able to carry out that emotions perfectly because I know that she's an animal lover and she has had many pets and has had and has loved many animals. And I felt like she can really feel the emotions in those lyrics and deliver them. So whenever I listen to that part, it always brings a tear to my eye because it always reminds me of Tessa. It always reminds me of my dog. And, um, when Lindsay delivered that line and I first heard it, I was like, this is exactly how I pictured it in my mind. And then, uh, 
when I heard the final mix, when Nathan and Mario worked with the song and Nathan specifically is more hands-on with the lyric, with the, with the vocals, I'm, I'm, I'm hands-on with the lyrics. Um, Nathan is very hands-on with like helping the vocals sound perfect in the production. And, um, I think that it sounded beautiful in, in, in the final product. And I was really happy with how it turned out. So we're very happy that Lindsay, our friend, is on this album. Yeah, no, Lindsay definitely is, uh, I think, a great addition to the album in, entirely. Because uh, like some, some, for those who don't know, she was also on my debut EP that Nathan Gross was also a part of as well. Uh, and to, to, know, to hear that she was uh, inspired you to become a vocalist, I think that is definitely something a lot of people, I think, can relate to in many ways. And plus me with a radio background and as well doing a lot of voices as, as a kid, getting into doing metal vocals. I think in many ways, I, are we the exact same person in that regard? I think we might, either that or we're on, we have to like swap the Zoom screens. Yeah, well, there's this love. Just go like, Whoa. Yeah. And be like, okay, it's like in parallel, like we're in parallel universes. So I guess in a lot of ways we are probably, we probably are the same person. If I unzip myself and you unzip yourself, you might be me and I might be you. Did you like the oh, Mission oh, Impossible oh. mask reveal? <laughs> <laughs> it was <me> <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's what that's from. <laughs> well, the Austin thing was was, was wrestling because my yeah. wife is wrestling. But like, it I was me, Austin. It was me all alone. <laughs> yeah, but I, that's the point. I love the fact that, like, uh, with the wrestling background too, I I felt like that was almost very evident with your intro uh, here on this podcast, and as well uh, when I was doing research for the questions when you did, when you did your intro on the C Squared Music Podcast. With, you had the belt and everything. Do you saw the oh, belt there? Or is it? <laughs> oh, the belt is in the closet. Ah, um, don't worry about it. You want, no, okay. We won't worry about it. But. Yeah, don't, don't worry too much about it. But that was a fucking fantastic intro, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I think you, you got to keep things lively, right? That, that's what makes things interesting, right? That, that's, that's really what, that's why people watch interviews. They want to see something entertaining. They want to see the personalities come out, right? And that is my, that is really me. That is really me when I'm just like super hyped and like ready to, and ready to cook. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and yeah, I just, I love professional wrestling. I grew up a fan and I've integrated some of that into my lyrics, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to any <laughs> wrestling fans. And some of you will know that it's very, 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 very evident in <laughs> the Hunter's Nightmare. Oh, okay. Forever. Everybody, you just got to get everybody replaying that song over and over again to try to find it. Where it's like, where is it? And I'm then, looking. I'm looking. You just create that meme with like the guy with the whiteboard who's like, everything is connected. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything is connected. It's all the same. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're going to make this super quick because we've been running for quite a bit. But uh, that if you just wrapped up producing and releasing your first full length, you're still in the throes of promoting. Uh, but what's next for the group? Where is the future of Blood of Indigo going soon? Uh, well, there's a lot of things that we have uh, in the works right now. So one of them is our second album. And I believe there's like 15 song ideas that we have to choose from to create a cohesive second album. Um, we ha we're just kind of hashing out the concepts a little bit. We already have some ideas for some characters. I can confirm that there's going to be an ice character. Ooh. And I can also confirm there's going to be um, a little bit more. Uh, so if you've seen the, the illustration video for Sphinx Collector of Eyes, like in that bridge section, that's all album two goodness right there. That's all album two uh, Easter eggs right there. So that guy who's kind of like that, that guy who has his feet frozen and you just kind of see that. And you're because like some of you might be looking at it like, why is there like a Swiss chalet chicken hanging out in a vegan restaurant? <laughs> Like you might just be like looking at it like this, like, like, like this is like the Sesame street game. Like, like what, what, what here does not belong. Yeah. But what's <laughs> happening there is it's a war. That's this is kind of the aftermath of a war that you're going to see because that uh, the second album has a lot to do with like where this war is happening between the desert and the mountains. So that's kind of the concept direct. So you guys are getting a little bit of some, a little bit of some insight on the second album, but there's a lot of the, what we're working, what we're working with right now is like this, like mountainous sort of ice thing, ice meets desert kind of thing. And of course we're going to bring in the Gothic elements and like the, all the horror elements are going to be brought in as well. And I think like, and this is all kind of just like mashed potatoes conversation right now, but I think we're kind of working with the idea of like endurism and kind of like having to power through things that you may not have wanted to have thrown onto your plate. 
So I feel like that's kind of like a sentiment to what had, what a lot of us have gone through over the last two years of just like COVID happening and we all have to deal with it and it's here. And I think that that's kind of like what's been inspiring a lot of like my recent lyric writing, which has been like a lot of like, just like fighting for what you want and uh, creating the world that you want to see. And I think that, um, yeah, this ice character was responsible for freezing that goblin guy's feet in the desert. So if you see that illustration video in the middle of Sphinx where that guy's feet are frozen and then it's right before that big bass drop happens, it's that's all an Easter egg into what you're going to be. What that answer will be, you're going to get your answers in the second album if you were a little confused as to what's going on in that illustration video. So um, there's a payoff to everything that we do and they don't always happen right away. It's like I mentioned in the beginning of the interview, it's, we're starting very zoomed in to kind of lay down the kind of like what world you're in right now to bring you there. And then we're going to zoom out more and more and more. And it's going to be a rewarding process as you see more with every album, because we can't just give everything to you in one album. That would just mean that we would just be like, all right, well, all the answers are here. So nothing else for us to make anymore, but yeah. As we continue on making more things, coming up with new ideas and uh, introducing more characters, more stories, more ways to enhance this world that we're in, um, it's going to get more and more fun to experience the music and more things to connect the dots with. And really, it's for the fans, man. Like, we're all just here to have a good time and and make everyone uh, lose themselves in the experience that we create with our music storytelling and our. overall vibe it's all for the fans and lots of ambition lots of time to be able to fulfill it uh before we wrap up here on the podcast i do have one final question this is the final question i always ask every single one of my guests and it's the most important one of all time if you could be any cereal box character who would you be no it's actually scratch that i'm worried someone's gonna say count chocolate again uh so the (laughs) actual question (laughs) Let's wrap, let's change this up a little bit for you guys. If you could be any video game character, who would you be? Um, okay. So I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a serial guy in mind. Oh, but well, let's get that one. Actually, hold up. Okay, yeah, of course. Both? Sweet. Okay. I would be the lucky charms guy. Yes. Because, <laughs> because, well, one lucky charms are awesome. Like who wouldn't want marshmallows in their cereal? Like that's right? pretty sweet. Right? <laughs> marshmallows and cereal. I mean, like, you're not roasting the marshmallows. You're eating them kind of raw and some, like, milk. But, like, I mean, they're still tasty. I mean, dude, like, like it was the most hype option as a kid. It was, like, yeah. it was, like I mean, other than, like, like okay, but here's the thing. I had this conversation, which was just, like, um, your top three, like, from least from best to worst, like, chips, chocolate, and candy. As an adult, I'd marry chips. And then, like, chocolates would be my second. And then candy would be my least favorite. As a mm. kid, Colin would have been like, dude, like bowl of Fruit Loops, like the whole thing. Just pour more Fruit Loops than there is milk. Or, well, in my case, it was always like I pour so much milk that I put the spoon in and then everything would overflow like a volcano. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Lucky Charms for me because the Lucky Charms dude is like so funny. And he had the best commercials. This guy was like, try- this, his cereal was so good. He had to run away from everybody. <laughs> like he was just like getting like porcupine syndrome. Like, no. <laughs> Like an episode of Evangelion, he was like, "No, this is my cereal." Like everybody, fuck off. It's mine. Leave me alone. <laughs> like every, imagine everybody trying to eat your cereal. Wouldn't you be pissed, yeah. like, dude? Like, get your fucking spoon out of my cereal, man. <laughs> There's a bowl in the cabinet. Just get your own. God damn it. Seriously, this is like this is life with siblings. <laughs> it is. Just yeah. To stick their spoon in your. Can I have a bite? No. Like you go to like it's like, it's like when you're having a steak at the keg, and like like your your older brother would just be like, "Let me see that steak." Like that was like what my cousin did to. Oh. I, I never had a brother. I had an older sister, so she was like, "I'm not going to touch your food, man." Just like, <laughs> like you know, just don't touch my makeup counter. And I was like, "Deal." Dude, and, if anybody if anybody tried reaching for my steak, I turned into a tiger trying to protect his food. <laughs> like, don't touch my steak. <laughs> that, that's that, and that's Lucky Charms guy. He's like everybody just back off of my cereal. Yeah, and 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 I, and I know why because it's so good. Yeah, and then <laughs> I, I guess like to answer the video game one, uh, that that's a tough question because there's so many characters I'd love to be. Honestly, Shadow the Hedgehog. Mm. Yes. Like Shadow the Hedgehog is so cool. When I was a kid, there was nothing more than I wanted than to put on rocket skates and be an edgelord. Yeah. <laughs> I would just be like, I, I would just be like, huh, 
you guys thought you could tell me to do my homework. I have rocket stakes so I could skate my way out of class right now. Did you play the video game that came out with it? Oh, yeah. Shadow oh, the Hedgehog. Yeah. And like all of a sudden he has a machine gun, which was like honestly kind of disturbing because I went <laughs> from like Sonic Adventure 2, which was like for one, like the like like the, the, the story of Sonic Adventure 2 is the best Sonic game ever made. I don't care what anybody says. You can fight me on it. It <laughs> is the best Sonic game ever created story wise. Gameplay wise, like, I mean, if you want to be pissed off for half a game, buy that game and play it because you're going to be raging by the amount of times you fall through the stage, even when you landed perfectly. It's still to finish it. Yeah, you still got to finish it. It's a fantastic (laughs) game and it'll make all the memes make sense too. Mm -hmm. But, um, But like, yeah, dude, like it's the one game where Dr. Eggman is actually smart. And like Shadow is super cool and he's like in love with Maria. And he, every time you die, he's like, Maria. <laughs> like for real, he goes in that little voice. He just goes like, Maria. And like yeah. he falls off a cliff so dramatically. And the music is so sad. And so like <laughs> enveloping. And I'm like, dude, I'm like almost in tears over Hedgehog. <laughs> but Shadow is like such a cool character. Like an Ed, like who would have thought of this? Like you have to be like the coolest, like, like game developer ever be like, guys, I have an idea. Let's make a cool hedgehog who's an edge lord, and and then in the next game he's carrying guns and he has like a machine gun. And I'm like, yeah. can we just mix Call of, Call of Duty with Sonic the Hedgehog? Even though the game was kind of just like a little over the top. For just, like, <laughs> I was like, like like you kill the president as a hedgehog. Just imagine that. There's not yeah. one of the endings. It's yeah. like, sorry, Mr. President, I have to blow your brains out now. <laughs> I'm like, when did this turn into like a horror movie? I think it was just what? as edgy in Sonic 06, but we don't, we don't talk about that one. Uh, so oh, Sonic 06. Throw <laughs> <laughs> some holy water on it. <laughs> some holy, some holy Be gone! Be gone! <laughs> <laughs> Back to EB Games with you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Nathan, we've been kind of uh, avoiding you here, but what what is the answer to that question? Did you want to answer one or the other or both? I'll answer both. Um, yes. Sure. I'd, I haven't eaten them too much, but uh, I'd say Captain Crunch. It's funny because I haven't haven't really eaten them that much at all, uh, but the reason I'm saying this is because uh, Alex likes to call, call me Captain every now and then. Yes, Captain. We have a thing where we all call each other Captain, where it's like, you at the door, yes, Captain. Yeah, and uh, if I'd say a video game character, oh, wow, so many. Um, since it's uh, my favorite game of all time, I'm going to say The Hollow Knight, uh, mm. because uh, I just, you know, I just love everything about that story. You know, it's uh, just such a unique concept, and I am desperately waiting for silk song to come out whenever that's going to come out i have no idea <laughs> uh but but yeah i just it it's just one of those games that's like high dark fantasy for me i, I love the bugs the bug world thing underground it's just it's sick <laughs> all right and that is blood of indigo with alex and nate and captain nathan i'm sorry captain nathan nathan we gotta get <laughs> captain we can't afford the tea on this show captain <laughs> Yeah. I Captain uh, Nathan Gross and Alex Centurami. Lucky Alex Centurami. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Dawn of the Shaded World is out now on all streaming platforms and available for CD as well. Link down in the podcast description. Thanks for coming on the show. You got five seconds to shout out anything else that's going on in your worlds. You have the floor. All right. Well, when we play our very first show, you guys better be there because it's going to be the best dark fantasy metal experience of your entire life. And then we got the second album coming out. Album two, baby. Album two. You can get our album right now. Dawn of the Shaded World. And it's on our shop. Blood of Indigo shop dot com. Smash that order button. So then I can send it right to your house and you can get (laughs) the greatest dark fantasy metal experience of your entire life. Courtesy of the Dark Fantasy Metal World Tag Team Champions, Alex Centurami, Nathan Gross, and Mariusz Suppose. Absolutely. And as one more one more shadow thing, we do now have a new video on our channel, and it is a walkthrough of the Angelus orchestrations. So feel free to check that out if you'd like hell yeah, oh, yeah. i think i think any so any orchestration nerd would want to get into that absolutely 100 percent 100 
110%. I can't speak. I've been here for so long. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having us, Tom. We had a blast. Yeah, thanks for having us, Tom. That was Blood of Indigo. Dawn of the Shaded World is out now. Go check it out. And seriously, you don't know what you're missing out on with that if you haven't heard it. Everything they shouted out can be found as well in the podcast description. Also, one thing I'll fill you in on before we wrap up here, especially if you're subscribed to the podcast YouTube channel. There was one part of the interview I wound up cutting for timing purposes, but I thought it was so important for fellow mixing engineers to hear. Remember how I mentioned in the intro to this the part about the mix of Dawn of the Shaded World not being sacrificed? Well, that's in part to the mixing work of Blood of Indigo's own Nathan Gross, who oversaw the whole process. How did he end up doing that? How did he get everything to work so well together without sacrificing each instrument's strongest qualities? Well, I have the answer to that coming up on the podcast YouTube channel later this week. We actually talked about this in the interview. So if you want to find out more about that, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. You just listened to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. We're on the last break here, so let's wrap this up and tease the lineup for the next episode. Viserion returns to continue our talk about the single Reborn in Darkness, plus we meet gothic singer-songwriter Effie Gold to talk about her music under the effigy and so much more. But in the meantime, though, thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot. You can also check out everything Metal Robot on The Metal Robot for videos, podcasts, press, and so much more. Special thanks to Blood of Indigo and Viserion for coming on the show, and of course to our co-producer Anna for keeping the robot's face from melting. Somehow the fire is just too hot for its circuits. I'm Tom McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night. Good night.